everybody. Welcome back to another episode of ATL on Fire, the podcast where we talk all things Atlanta United Football Club and all things soccer because there's plenty <laughs> of soccer to talk about with the drama in the U.S. Men's National Team Club. Carmen, what do you think? Oh, I love it. Y'all know I love drama. <laughs> the petty, the drama yeah. of it all. <laughs> it's an emergency <laughs> podcast, Dave. Um, thank you guys for coming over on short notice. Uh, there is uh, just so much stuff that's swirling uh, after a World Cup that was amazing. But, Dave, let's get into it. Um, Can we start just because we're going to lose track? Let's start with our sponsors, Wild that's a good, Heaven Brewery. That is a great call. A great call. Uh, yeah, we love those folks. Speaking of emergency podcasts, they have the emergency drinking beer. So those of you who are out there thinking about the, uh, the emergency that's going on in soccer right now, go out and grab yourself some emergency drinking beer and it will make things better. It will. Oh, yes. <laughs> they have two locations, one here in Avondale Estates. And if you're closer to the West End, a uh, really cool, sleek spot over there. Go grab yourself a cold one and enjoy happy hour. And don't forget to look out for our podcast from the United Soccer Coaches Convention next week in Philadelphia. That's right. The U.S. Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia, the 11th through the 15th of January. Uh, so much happening up there. If you happen to be in the area or haven't gotten your uh, tickets to go, uh, we actually have a deal that we posted on Twitter for last minute's uh, uh discounts oh very nice yeah find yourself a way to the convention i'm i mean i'm so stoked about that it's gonna be so much fun it's gonna be great um and i'm sure uh, we're gonna learn um maybe some inside scoop about what we're about to talk about maybe we'll get some nuggets check out those look at that we got some swag folks Ooh, Ooh. if only i could zoom in it's I'll... a it's a magnet <laughs> bottle opener that, that some impressive. of the folks will get in the convention for maybe some atl fire trivia Oh, nice. very impressive. So what are we going to talk about today? What's the, what's the agenda? We'll start with the wine. What do you, what do you think? Um, it is very nice. Is this a cab? What do we have? It's a blend. It's a Colchuga Valley Chilean blend, mm. right? It's uh, 50% Cabernet Sauvignon, 40% Cabernet Franc, and uh, basically 10% Carmenere. It is very nice. A lot, mm. of, lot of different flavors. It's a traditional blend. Carmen, are you going to describe this for us? It's complex. <laughs> it is complex. All right. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Thank you, Dave. Yes. Delicious. Okay. All right. Now. What's the timeline? What's going on? <laughs> okay. So what are we talking about? Tell us what we're talking well, about, Mikey Dobbs. We're talking For about. For those of you who have been stuck under a rock today and yesterday. A, li a little bit of the aftermath of what uh, came out of Gia Reyna not getting a lot of playing time in the Qatar World Cup now has just a complete different layer to it uh, with some headlines that have hit in the last, say, 24, 48 hours around some would call it blackmail or just ratting out Burhalter for some things that happened 30 years ago, but also just trying to leverage uh, the Reina's family power to uh, <laughs> ensure maybe Geo got some playing time when Greg uh, was suggesting, hey, maybe you know, you're not going to start or you're not going to get in many, many minutes. And Greg may be saying those things maybe to motivate them may have been true. We don't know what the absolute truth was, but it sure has turned into the Hatfields and McCoys at this point. What do we got? 
Okay, want me to give you the brief timeline? Yeah, let's see it. So November 9th was when all the players were announced. November 10th to 20th, during training, it was reported that during the uh, exhibition match against Al-Garafa in Saudi Arabia, um, that Gio Reyna was sort of lackluster and was sort of called out for it. The World Cup starts on November 21st. Gio Reyna is on the bench. Um, and he is not involved. People were surprised that he didn't come off the bench, and he was caught on camera throwing his shin guards to the <laughs> ground. Um, it's unclear where in here, but apparently, I think prior to the game on November 17th, um, he had a conversation with Burhalter in which it was alleged that he either was told he wasn't going to be largely involved or he was at least told he wasn't going to be a starter. I think there's a big difference. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not really clear what there was. But in any case, on November 21st, the first game he doesn't play, he kind of throws a bit of a fit. Um, and to in his own uh, admission, he basically went for a couple of days into a sort of a tailspin and he didn't, train and he was not professional not professional um on november 25th he played only the final seven minutes um on november 26th there was uh oh so on that day there was a tweet from winalda basically um there was some controversy because um burhalter was asked about Winalda's tweet saying that, you know, Gio Reyna was ready to go. And he said that basically Gio Reyna was not fit for that first game. And we commented this on the actual live podcast because Gio tweeted in there and he said, said, I'm 100%. I'm 100%. That's right. (laughs) Mikey Dow's all over it. Right. So um, Burhalter was asked about those comments vis-a-vis one another. And he basically said, I'm not a liar. You should believe me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and supposedly yeah. they worked it out. And the coach always has the benefit of the doubt there and whatever he thinks 100% means, whether it's physical or mental. And if it's not 100% mentally, then Burhalter, in my mind, as the coach, can be correct. So if he's not 100% in Burhalter's mind, whether it's physically or mentally, then to me, that's the coach's call. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about that? As, as far as defense for Burhalter, which I'm not a defender of Burhalter in general, but he's the coach. He is the coach, for sure. He gets to say what he wants to do. It's a question mm-hmm. of really not necessarily decision. There's some, We can talk about the decision, but actually more or less how he handled it yeah. um, and how, how Gio handled it. So when did – one thing with the timeline yep. – and sorry if I'm cutting you no, off. Go for it. When there was the um, – explanation that he was giving at some conference or some talk about um, using Geo and without naming him as the example, but I think people read between the lines that it was Geo and the athletic reported it, that there was a player that was about to be sent home from the world cup. When did that happen? Was that that was on after December 6th, three days um, after, after we were, we were out in the yeah December third was the day that we lost to the Netherlands. So yeah. somewhere in there, Gio was asked to apologize for his behavior, and he did. Yeah. And everything was sort of all right at that point, and it must have been fairly okay. It must have been right in that window because during the last game against the Netherlands, after he failed, he didn't appear in the big match against Iran um, when we really really needed to win. But in the against the Netherlands, he did come on. Now, in fairness, we were chasing the game down to. Yeah. Nail, so it was 
kind of a roll of the dice rather than maybe in the normal tactics, but he yeah. did play almost all the entire second half in right. that match. So the 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 leak that was supposed to have been kept, you know, in a uh, the press wasn't supposed to leak out of that meeting though. It was supposed to have been in confidence too. So somebody leaked it. It was un- a unethical conference where he made those comments. Right. And Burhalter has claimed and that, that it was supposed to be confidential. Right. But it was in public in a leadership conference. Yeah. So correct. So that's the that first. I think is it's the first fat lipped thing that Burhalter did. Right. He just absolutely should have shut his mouth. Which is well, he also said that he was no, injured. Yeah, but there's no reason for him to use that example in this leadership conference. Mm-hmm. He was an emotional dummy for doing that. I agree. But you know, we went back to it um, in the press. I don't even what you what do you call that when they had that live TV reveal of the the of the roster. Whatever it was, the, the live TV reveal. Burhalter in there when he was asked questions. I mean, every coach, you know, in the world sort of does this. It's now a big thing. Um, when they're asked questions, I mean, they just say nothing, right? right? They say stuff to say nothing. Exactly. And he wasn't that way. He was talking about, you know, his decisions about people and saying open things. He was almost gossiping right in that live performance. And uh, we ca- talked about it on the podcast. Right. We were like, what was he doing there? Like, these yeah. are very personal decisions. People are going to be upset, of course, because it's your dream to play in the World Cup. And, you know, they're tough and you have to make it. People are not going to be happy if they're not left, not going. Yeah. But shut up about it. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, he kept, you know, the, the, the commentators correctly asked him about those last controversial decisions. But instead of saying... There's great options on both sides, and unfortunately, somebody has to make it. And you know, we discussed it, and for for the entire roster and for the benefit of the team, we think this was the guy. Yep. You can say that twelve different ways, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh-huh. you don't have to say anything. So, the the key milestones here is, for whatever reason, right or wrong, Greg made the evaluation that. Geo was not going to get significant minutes or at least wasn't going to start out of the gates. He was going to have to earn his way in some, in some way, right? Like that was his path forward. Um, There's been no explanation from Greg on why that is given at least the fan base, right? Is like extremely excited about the potential of Geo Reyna. He's obviously one of the most skilled and talented players with the upside on the U S men's national team. We didn't get any detail other than the leak that Gio basically ended up saying, right, is he said, I'm going to be very limited in this World Cup. Yeah. Um, so that was the first, that was the first big thing, right, that, that happened, right? There was the leak from this conference that, um, well, there was the leak that Gio was going to have limited time, and then that came out after this leadership conference when he got upset about that and then was practicing lackluster yep. in the, in the Qatar. Yeah. Ups. After this leak, um, so those are all the first responded story. by saying that, you know, he, you know, basically he did have a few bad days and yeah. whatever, blah, blah, blah. But you know, he, after yeah. responding to the fact that he was told he would have limited time. Yeah. Right. And yeah. his, his own teammates pretty much said he was acting like a wuss during the, the practices and being unprofessional, pretty upset about it. Yes. Themselves. The teammates were with Greg Burhalter and having an intervention. Although yeah. 
Um, there was nothing about it until this, much later, any comments about the fact that he was almost sent home. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, Berhalter in this leadership conference didn't name Gio Reyna by name, but yeah. said there was a yeah. player who player yeah. who was almost <laughs> sent home. Duh. Yeah. Like, so whether so be? whether he said it explicitly or not, the athletic went ahead and ran with that. They As, got confirmation very easily because anybody on the staff or any player could have easily confirmed that. Right. I mean, so so there you go. They got confirmation. The Athletic felt good enough about their sources, and they reported that it was Gia Reyna that was about to get sent home. So then it became first headline number one post World Cup, and then Gio almost responds immediately. What yeah. twenty four hours. Later, yep. that's like, hey, Greg, you suck. This is supposed to stay in the <laughs> locker room. You say everything's supposed to stay in the locker room, Greg. You're, you're my coach. Like, I'm going to be even more whiny now and make, make an even bigger mess of this. I'm going to put it on my Instagram because everything's supposed to stay in the locker room. And now it's supposed to stay in the locker room. It's supposed to stay in the locker room, Greg. Yep. It's supposed to stay in the locker room. That's what he said. I didn't even get it. I got no fire out on that. He said that. My bad, my That's bad. Right. But I just felt yeah. the fire. I didn't play it. I mean, so there's the first blow up right there. Yep. Right? And you're like, okay, Carmen has been watching this on Instagram. And <sighs> and we talked about it, right, yeah. on the podcast a little bit about how it was kind of, uh, yeah. you know, crazy and sinuous. And, and to be honest, you're like, okay, there was this bickering about it, bygones or whatever. Everything was good. We thought everything was going to be done. Yeah, so that's just the build-up till today, basically. Yes. Yesterday. Yesterday. Now, in between, we're talking a little bit about Verhalter because we know his contract's about to run out. That's a good call. call. You know, talking about some opportunities he's had in Europe and things like that. So that's all we're hearing. And everybody was reporting that he was about to be re-upped. I mean, because we kind (laughs) of... We were like, oh... Really? <laughs> like what? A, a couple week ago or so, his yeah. contract actually expired. Correct. Yes, yeah. Yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. But everybody said that that U.S. Soccer wanted to um, re-up it, um, and but there was some. <laughs> we were discussing there is there was some faint glimmer of hope because he might want to pursue. You European know, soccer. European soccer mm-hmm. coaching possibilities. You know, if like he was offered coaching at Man United or something, yeah, <laughs> which is not going to happen. <laughs> not so, happen. Dave, what's what's the what are the headlines coming out in the last twenty four hours though? Well, <laughs> so I guess what happened was um, Gio Reyna's mother, Daniela Reyna. Is that says her name, Daniela. Danielle. Reyna? Danielle Reyna. Mm-hmm. I want to get that right. Danielle Reyna. Um, called Ernie Stewart, who's the GM of U.S. Soccer. Yep. And she was very upset that Greg Berhalter was continuing to bash Gio Reyna about this incident and that he was now being trashed on Twitter, and she was complaining about it. She- does does any other soccer, ration, soccer federation <laughs> head take that call from a parent? <laughs> No. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't even take that as a youth coach. Like, you'd be like, look, like, or you would at least shut it down pretty quickly. Like, in terms yeah, of. Yeah, like, we're going to get back to this, but. Okay. Um, just just got to ask, right? Like, is the Brazilian yeah. Federation coach going to take a call, even from Neymar's mom, on whatever the situation is? Maybe like, Mbappe's mom. Maybe Mbappe's good call. A, he's a big. He, yeah. was, he was concerned that he wasn't oui, getting oui, as much oui, image oui. rights as he was supposed to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
then he went and put the whole team on his back for how many games in a row. So people forget about his complaining about how he should get all the image rights. He was the whole team. So yeah. maybe he should have gotten all the image <laughs> rights. Very true. If you, if you carry the team, you get all the image rights. I mean, Yeah, but if a substitute's mom yeah. calls the head of a federation, <laughs> so that he, call is not going to be about So he calls so him, no. what, is it Ernie Stewart? Ernie Stewart. Ernie Stewart. Ernie Stewart. Mm-hmm. Okay. Former national team player. Yeah. Teammate of Greg Berhalter. And Claudio Reyna. And Claudio Reyna. And we're going to get into all that, but it, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, so, hold on, even more history, right, on uh, the Berhalters and uh, the Reynas, right? They go back a long ways. Like, so yes. it was a Danielle and Carmen, you want to tell us the history? What, yeah. What, yeah. Cause you, um, you have some knowledge without naming names, but you, well, I don't have like all the details, but the thing is I went back into the Reina story early on in the world cup because they have yeah. a great story. Like they have an older son who passed away right. and I'm That's looking right. into yeah. all. So I have read about it. And one of the things that came up how long they had known the Burhalters. Yeah. So Danielle Reyna, and I don't remember the Burhalters' yeah, wife's name, name yeah. but they played soccer together at UNC. Right, UNC. So both soccer players. Did you play against them when you were at Duke? Oh, no, they, no. They're, I, I they're old. I was about to say, I didn't play against Harley. They were not going to put me in a UNC game. <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> we did beat right. them in 94, and I was in the bleachers. Yeah. But anyway. Um, yeah. So as I was reading all this, they're talking about like how they helped each other, like meet, like help, like create, they're like at each other's weddings and all that type stuff. So these are, uh, these are families that are close. And it gets worse because Burhalter and Reyna played on the same high school team, the men's. Same club team in New Jersey. The two guys playing on the same club team growing up married two women who were on the U.S. national team and who were roommates together at UNC. Yeah. So it's pretty tight. Yeah. Very, very tight. So, I mean, you're looking online yeah. and you're seeing pictures of Burhalter yeah. with the little Reina when he's yeah. probably like three or four years yeah. old. So they right. are super, super tight. So in the articles I was reading, they were trying to say, like, of course Burhalter has, you know, Gio Reina's interest at heart. He's known yeah. since he was a kid. Yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, like almost a second dad or something right. like that. So that's what we're assuming. Yeah. And yeah, so this is when this came out. And I think I even told you, I texted y'all, when this first came out, I was like, oh, yeah. you know who I know, yes. know knew about yes. this kicking you incident? Spec- you were speculating and you were right. <laughs> I was. You I told, were right, I told Carmen my brother, Butler. I was like, these friends that probably knew about this kicking incident? Yeah. The Reynas were some of those friends, so... Yep. Yeah. And no, that took I just only say, about 12 hours to come out after Carmen already knew. <laughs> I just want to say, I used to kick uh, Dave in the shins 30 That's true. years ago. And it still, still hasn't come you out. You haven't even apologized. I know. Come on. <laughs> but, <laughs> there's no, no need to kick anyone in the shins. Right. Don't need that. All right. So, she calls Ernie Stewart to complain about this. For what end, no one knows. Yep. It could be to rant... It could be blackmail. <laughs> it yeah. could be, I don't know what it could be, but it could be a number of things. But that those two words have been used by different yeah. parties about this conversation. Anyway, she claims that that was, she never intended anything to come of it. Well, in the athletic article, supposedly the time, go back to the timeline, yep. Claudio had emailed the U.S. Soccer Federation that he had 
something against, like something damning against Greg. And then he denies wife, that though. He did. Okay. He denies that. But that's they, they, that, that claim that's, is that during the World Cup. But in the athletic article, that's yeah. that's what they said, right? Yep. That Claudio had sent an email that said, "Hey, I've got something that happened <laughs> happened thirty years ago," and then Ugh. then his wife just went ahead and made the call and just yeah. So during the World <laughs> Cup, Claudio Reyna was bitching to two people. Right. One was clearly Winalda who was tweeting yeah. about it. Come on, bro. Yeah. Um, and the other one was Brian McBride, also a former national team player in that, who happens yeah. to be an administrator yeah. of the U.S. Soccer yeah. Federation. Oh, God. Come on. <laughs> I mean, and we have talked about this on the podcast, and I'm getting there, Mikey Dobbs. I'm getting there. We've talked about how there is a problem with the only qualifications of some of these people who have major roles in U S soccer is that they were formal national team buddies. Yeah. And you know, we've talked about it in the context of the U S youth team, you know, where they continued to pick tab Ramos to coach the dang youth 17 team, even though he lost and he blew it and he failed to qualify. I would pick him again. He's a great coach. Really? He's heating up. Oh, I'm just getting started. (laughs) I think we're building our reputation up for this uh, U.S. soccer coaches committee. Hopefully, we're not going to piss anyone oh, off. Oh, yeah. But we, we probably will. And you know what? That's our job. They can come see us at our booth. Come see us at our booth. Bring it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't really mean that. Come visit us. We'll yeah, be nice. Come visit us. Okay. We got some nice beer yeah, bottle Yeah, we'll give you a beer bottle Yeah, exactly. So, Thank you for your time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do you make of all this, though? You know, well, so we haven't finished... Okay, keep going. Keep it rolling. Yeah, so Ernie Stewart, I think, sensing, in my opinion, all of the what's going on with the NWSL and all of soccer and all these charges for abuse and whatever. So he, Danielle, uh, says that um, there was this incident and it, avo- it involved Burhalter with an abuse towards a woman, which it turns out that after drinking with his now wife, yeah. then girlfriend, 33 years they ago. had an altercation and he claims he has come out on Twitter and said that he kicked her in the shins. Yeah. Um, she now has retorted to that. Daniela has and said that it was worse than that. Right. Oh, I didn't. Uh, that. But yeah. she and, said that she was there by Burholter's what now wife side through the whole thing. And they're downplaying yeah. that it was just a, a shin kicking thing. Okay, I missed She that. said that and it was months they were broken up and mm-hmm. that it took to her to get over it and she eventually got back with him. But in any case, yeah. she's married to him It was now. four kids. They have yeah. four kids and there has been no intimation of other things. Although, so Ernie Stewart gets this and the moment, you know, she thinks she's talking to a U.S. national team buddy. Yeah. Like he's an official guy, but yeah. also a buddy, right? And he turns around in his official capacity, he's and what a, does he do? He's got to do what he's got to do. Got to do what he hires do. the law firm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even Dan, Daniela or whatever said, "I understand why he did that." She yeah. she was like in the interview, she's like, "I understand why he did that. Like he's got an obligation to do that." But and the but, rumor, but kicking- she said that that was not her intention. Which that to me is, all sounds believable, at least at this point. Like it doesn't sound like, like to me, it just sounds like she was just 
having an irrational moment. Ooh, but Ooh, what okay. what but what was her intention? What is she yeah, saying her what, intention what? was then? Because you've no known this. Intention. Oh, I I posted on our Twitter. She's a crazy soccer mom. I I, I yes. guess I yes. guess crazy it. soccer mom we do, does yeah, what crazy I soccer mom it. does. Dave, do you know any crazy soccer moms? Yes, I do. I bet you at the convention, <laughs> there's some crazy mo- soccer mom stories. Uh, this no, seems I, quite believable to me that she was like, I know Ernie. I'm gonna give him a call like right now. Blah, blah, blah. Like there okay. was no like blackmail uh, that she had in mind. Like you know, to me, that seems right. a little like. I, I don't think that that was it. I, think I don't know crazy, whether crazy she soccer had mom. soccer mom, but but what was her intention as a soccer mom was to bitch about it or to get him not to be rehired because, you know, he Gio Reyna is going to be there for a long time. So, so yes, subliminally, what was her, intention? May, may, her intention may be in the back of her mind. But what even was when the, crazy soccer moms called or whatever, usually they have, you know, in the moment you would real. say they want more playing time, but the World Cup is well over, right? So <laughs> yeah. she's not calling it like bitch about him and, and get more playing time. They're, what is she calling for? Yeah. she's. To, I mean, to, to complain. To control the situation. Yeah, to control the situation. With, with power that she has inherently. Uh, reportedly, and, and none of this has been verified, so take it with what you will, the law firm has already found some other things where he has reportedly not been, I'm not sure, sexually abusive or whatever, but yeah. abusive to staff, maybe verbally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, you know, what coach in the U.S., in the world stage hasn't. I mean, look. Yeah. I don't know. Fine. 33 yeah. years ago, but please do not do an investigation of anything I did 30 years ago. Because there's going to be some bad things you find, I'm sure. Yeah, I think the 30 years ago. I don't even want to do this podcast with you anymore, Mike. (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) I was so dumb. My frontal lobe just wasn't there, Dave. Yeah, fair. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I'm amazed you do this podcast with me to begin with. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm happy to do the podcast with you, Mikey Dobbs. I love the podcast. I've learned to be risk adverse though in my latter years, though. Yeah, 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 a little bit. It sounds like maybe Greg has too, but 30 years ago he might have done some stupid shit <laughs> okay so <laughs> so he calls the lawyer <laughs> and then while this is going on both um greg and his wife Rosalind, that's her name Rosalind. um issue a statement about this incident 30 years ago uh, where they may or may not have played down the severity but they talk about it. They said that he went and sought counseling. It was the best thing that ever right. happened to them because they've been happily married ever since. Um, and at the time, you know, it was... Well, the interesting thing about it is it was originally reported that someone was whatever, and nobody knew that it was Gio Reyna's mom. But, of course, Carmen knew. Except so, for me. Carmen knew. So, <laughs> if, yeah, I mean, come on. Obviously, yeah, a lot of a lot of people knew. Yeah. Well, Carmen knew, so that's all the, that matters. And and the U.S. Soccer Federation knew when they did the background check on hiring Greg before they decided to hire him. So this wasn't new to them. So now they're speculating that he's been abusive to people outside of the organization or involved. Like that's where it's really loose in the the article of saying like, and that's where it's just let's get to it, right? Did. Did he has Greg in the recent years been bad to anybody outside or in the organization? That would be a problem. Let's find mm-hmm. that out quickly. Sure. And to me, it, the whole timing of this seems um, unsavory. Is all the outcome? I would say I, is un- clearly going to be that Burhalter is not going to get renewed as the U.S. Yeah. national team coach when clearly he was about to be. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if that was their intention, check. 
So is, <laughs> is there anything that you think um, are repercussions to Geo as a player, whether mm. that means for the U.S. men's national team, whether that means for different league teams, given um, how this is all panning out? And the- Well, somehow, if Burhalter survives, which I don't think will happen, then there's a real issue because now you got a coach and a future star player who are – um, let's just say at odds. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's not good. And that's part of the reason why I think U.S. soccer is not going to touch this with 10-foot pole. What are as the- stupid as I think they are, and that's what I want to go back to, but I still think they're smart enough not to go there. Do you, Hold on. Let me just ask something, yep. Carmen. Do you think that there's hope, and, and, and this person could help us out here, Oprah Winfrey, <laughs> Burhalters, the Rainers, Rainers come together on Oprah's show and they just hash it out and they just they hug it out and we just move on. That, I suspect that, they will. Whether or not we see it on Oprah, really? I think that they will. Like yeah. I joke we'll about it. It seems like it's something that, you could never get over. Correct. But I think that's the only way over this hurdle, whether it's Greg or anyone else, there has to be some sort of kumbaya. Kumbaya. But that's the thing. I just feel like. Everywhere else, we don't get this kumbaya. We don't even try for this kumbaya. Yeah, I yeah mean, but you they're know, former teammates. Just... They have that bomb, you know what I mean? They played together for a long time, and I think it's going to have a hard time staying mad. I think we need Oprah. Yeah, I mean, Mikey Dobbs Oprah kicked me, and yeah. I'm still doing a podcast with him. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how, that's how it rolls. I guess. But do you, re- I mean, do you really think that they can really, I mean, like, there's some I, family stuff that happens, but I, if you get me fired, so I'm saying, could you like all the families out there that had drama during? Technically, from, he didn't like, get him fired though, because his contract was up. He just yeah. failed to get him rehired. Anyway, go ahead. No, I was just saying, like you know, this is there's been things that have been simmering, even probably World Cup, pre World Cup, with if Greg was saying you're going to get limited time or you might not start, right? Like those signals, those flames have probably been out there, smoke signals. So there's probably been drama over the last two and a half months, right, between these yeah. two families. Imagine how tense the holiday season mm-hmm. was for the Burhalters <sighs> and the Reinas. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy Merry New Year. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Oh, gosh. Okay. So um, what do you think overall of the whole, you know, who's at fault, who's the winner, who's the loser? Like, well, like I said, but it was obviously a huge mistake that Greg made in that leadership conference to even mention because he knew that he knew the thing that was boiling over here, and he he made mention of that in a leadership. He should have just pushed that to the side, and I mean, left Geo out of the conversation completely, and he would have been looking much better in this situation than he does now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just in terms of le- allowing that to leak. And on the other hand, now you got the Reinas who, no matter what, at this point, they haven't done themselves any favors as a soccer legacy no. or Geo's future. It's just, it's, it's, and it's just kind of shaming for and embarrassing to U.S. soccer to some degree. I mean, that you have all this swirling in the background. Wow. And what about to- Geo? How do you think he comes out of it? You know, like, look, I mean, at the same time, like, we're making such a big deal of this because we're bored drinking wine. Like, at the end of the day, these guys, like, it's pretty simple, right? Like, it's not that complex. Like, Gio, at the end of the day, like, wakes up. All he thinks about is soccer. Dortmund's like, hey, as long as you're playing soccer and you progress, like, to some degree, as long as he keeps focused on that, Gio is going to be fine. 
as long as he progresses as a soccer player, you play talent that progresses as long as this doesn't become a distraction to him. But I do think that the way that he behaved is a little bit of a concerning signal. But again, he's so young. Says he lacks maturity, but he lacks yeah. maturity at 18 or whatever. Eight, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. He lacks maturity at 18. Exactly. And um, I think that this is just water under the bridge when we're, at 2026 World Cup and yeah yeah all right I want to take us back because I think this starts way earlier Ooh, okay okay and this is what I think is the take-home message <laughs> 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 Mikey Dobbs may or may not have just kicked me it's fine yeah. I will call the attorneys yeah. to okay. do a Two full soccer investigation players kicking each other in the shin say yeah. it ain't so yeah I was wearing shin guards so it's fine um, so, you know, look, the U.S. fails to qualify, as we all know, we've talked about, right? And so um, Bruce Arena, who was called in to, you know, save the team after Klinsman, you know, didn't do so well. Um, so we're flipping the cycle to the next World Cup. It is very clear we, that we need a new coach, right? And we go a surprisingly 13 months Without a head coach. The interim coach was Dave Sarakan, uh, who I actually know because he was the old Cornell coach. Okay. He recruited me when I was in high school. Um, and he also comes from the Bruce Arena, Bob Bradley coaching tree. But anyway, um, so he was a, a coach for the U.S. national team for 13 months. Okay. So they had a general manager vacancy and they had a head coaching vacancy. Okay. And... Um, it's a little bit bizarre to me why it takes 13 months. But in the end, what happens is first they hire a general manager and the guy who turns out was in charge of hiring the general manager was Greg Burhalter's brother, Jay. Oh yeah. goodness. We brought in another family <laughs> member. <laughs> so Jay Burhalter is actually, um, in the U.S. soccer organization, he's in charge of calling it. And in order to decide who he's going to do, who does he talk to? Not Tata Martino. No, but who does he talk to about advice to get names? Not Tata Martino. He talks to <laughs> Greg Burhalter, right? Uh. And so who does Greg Burhalter recommend? He recommends Ernie Stewart, right? And Ernie Stewart gets hired as the general manager. Okay, this is still well pretty early in that 13 months, right? So we have a general manager, and now we got to search for a head coach. And he, the general manager, or whatever I don't know what his official title is, but anyway, general manager is in charge of that search, right? That search takes an, another large number of months, I don't know exactly what it was. And Ernie Stewart says he has an exhaustive search. Right. Yeah. In which we heard that Tata Martino wanted the job. Um, what's I don't know how to pronounce his name. La, La Pata Gui, the new Wolves coach. Okay. Yeah. That's, um, that's who right. was coach at Spain and went on that super run with Spain. They yeah. won all those matches in a row. He was apparently interested. Oscar Perea was kind of interested. They said they did an exhaustive search. They said they turned up, turned over. None of these stern. coaches said they got contacted. They only interviewed <gasps> Burhalter. <laughs> so they claim, Ernie Stewart comes out and he claims after this exhaustive search, they said, you know, 
how many people did you interview? And he says two. So first of all, an exhaustive search, you can interview two. He says two, and he names Burhalter, and he names Oscar Pereja, who is the Dallas, you know, MLS coach, very successful. Yeah. Right? And they go to Oscar Pereja, and he says, no, I didn't. I did not interview. I was interested in the job, and they never interviewed. So Ernie Stewart, apparently in his exhaustive search, after being hired on the recommendation of Burhalter himself, turns around and hires Burhalter. <laughs> I mean, are you effing kidding me? Now, this is kind of old news, though. I mean, yes, this, yes, yeah. but here's the thing. But right? not for everybody. My mind okay. is blown over. Here. Oh, really? So this, yeah, this has been <laughs> the, the talk of U.S. Men's National Team. I'm geeks like burr halters and burr halters, yeah. and yeah, this oh. is yeah. So, so Dave's, Dave's laying it out. So yes, here's the you. problem, right? Here's the problem. So first of all, you get a MLS coach who comes off um, a mediocre season. He has a 39% MLS winning record. Halter as a coach. He was previously fired at Swedish Division Two. The guy who wants the job is our own Tata Martino, who just won the MLS. Yep. They don't interview him. They pass over him and they select Berhalter. And you're like, you know, yeah. scratching your head. And then on top of all of this, Klinsman, you know, comes out and says there was a tremendous amount of pressure from MLS to play MLS players so they would elevate the league and that they really, really only wanted an MLS coach. Yeah. Not only was Ernie Stewart involved, but the other people involved, Suni Galati and whatever, were the ones who founded MLS. Yeah. And they all... Converged and on there's some like, I don't know if you've heard this. There's like some like unwritten quota of how many MLS players need to be on the U.S. men's national team. There was that was Ooh. reported that there was in a quota about that. That no one's ever the, the statistics yeah. don't really bear that out. Yeah. Um, but anyway, in any case, here's my problem, and this is the big problem because it is so incestuous. Not only did they not pick what I think was a adequate coach for that decision. Right. But the problem is they pick their buddies and this guy picks their buddies. And what happens is you now have a coach whose best friend is son is the leader, but a player. So you have the opportunity for Daniela to be knowing Ernie Stewart, to be knowing McBride, right. to be knowing whatever. There is no, it's not just who got picked for the coaching job, but right away, right. Like One of the things little... that we never talked about that people just said, well, he's the wrong coach. But nobody ever talked about the other implications of it, which is mm. that so many people have an incentive to then, you know, pick the same thing. You know, we're still, you're probably going to talk about Tyler Wolf, yeah. Josh Wolf's son. You know, will he get yeah. picked or whatever? Well, I hope we get to speak with MLS's uh uh, DEI lead <laughs> for MLS because uh -oh. it certainly see, it certainly seems like the U.S. men's national team might be able to learn something from Sola, who hopefully we'll get to talk to uh, next week. Because I mean, I think that's a perfect example of just the lack of um, you know differentiation within yeah. within the U.S. Soccer Federation. So once upon a time. All of the U.S. executives were former national team players. And you could maybe understand that because there was nowhere else to choose from. The only soccer organization at a higher level that was professional or whatever was the U.S. soccer. There was no MLS. There was no anything. But once you have MLS, you now have coaches to pick from, right? So, for example, you know, the Seattle coach 
who had won two MLS titles, yeah. the Seattle general manager, who had been general manager of the year twice and is now the is now the Atlanta United manager, right? Neither of those got considered for those mm-hmm. jobs. Instead, it went to Ernie Stewart and then Burhalter, right? Right. I mean, that's just two of yeah. many, many, many examples you could go through. And what it does is it creates this... Not only do I think you sometimes get the wrong choice, but then you also create these weird relationships and these weird contexts and these criti- critiques like about are they or are they not? Was he brought in only because he was supposed to favor the MLS sides? You know, and I'm going to talk about you know, <laughs> this crazy moment, which I was thinking about as this all came out. Um, and I don't know whether we talked about it on the podcast or not. So if we did, I apologize. But during qualifying, the moment that I think really sums Panama. up that that Greg Barhalter, I thought it meant that Greg Barhalter really had no effing clue what he was doing. It could have meant that he was really biased to, you know, or being pushed to, to play MLS players. Anyway, we go to Panama right an, you know an obvious game that we we're sort of expected to win right and our lineup in that match is tim wea who obviously is not from mls and is a great player but then it's Josh zardis it's paul Ariola, it's sebastian leggett it's kellen acosta musa who is also not from mls yeah. but then it's greg bellow at left back mls it's walker zimmerman mls it's mark mckenzie and shaq moore mls and mark turner in goal mls and you say okay you know whatever that's the roster and they lose one nothing yeah. but that doesn't sound that doesn't sound like our best foot forward having not qualified four years prior well let me tell you okay does it let me tell you something, and here's the, the really, really damning thing. The bench in that game, the players who were available to okay. play because they were on the bench, Serginio Dest, <laughs> Tyler Adams, Brendan Aronson, Miles Robinson, right? DeAndre Yedlin, right? Jedi Robinson, all on the bench, right? Those guys were all available. What What the... F was going oh, on. Heating up. You are heating up. And that's, <laughs> that is pretty damning. Because, look, that's a lot of mistakes. That's that's more than a handful I think you just sparked out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, sometimes the future, you know, it doesn't hold up well to scrutiny, right? And you look at the team that eventually, you know, was on the field, and yeah. you're like, ugh. <laughs> but, I mean, it's not just... That it doesn't hold up well. I mean, these are major okay. credential guys. So what do you think the odds are that Burhalter gets the job again? Um, the two, US, 2%. Yeah, the 2%. U.S. men's national team job? Yes. Yeah. I think 1% or 2%, but I still yeah. think, like, you know, because of what you said, it's there's nothing's off the table. So here's the question, though. Do we wait for the law firm to give this report about Everything well, that he may have done over the course of the last 33 years? Yes, or? they're going to have to at this Ugh. point. They're going to have to, right? Yeah. They're not going to announce anything until their investigation is done. No, they don't have to. I totally disagree because you would have to if you're going to fire him, but his contract is already up. So you have to do nothing to hire a new player, a new coach, I mean. So I disagree with that. Okay. Because um, they can just move on and they don't have to say anything. They said, let the investigation okay. play out. We'll find out what Do you Burhalter think they're smart is. enough to do that? <laughs> well, here's the yeah. thing. It's, and this is why I wanted to go through the whole thing because 
Ernie Stewart is still in charge. So that means two things. One, that means that there is a huge amount of loyalty to Burhalter, yeah, right? Yeah. And number okay. two, it means that, okay, let's say he decides to do the smart thing and we move on from Burhalter. Does anybody trust him not to pick another U.S. national team player who was his buddy as the new coach? Do you think it's going to be Josh Wolf? Do you think it's going to be Chirundolo, the MLS coaches? Now, both of them have done way better than Burhalter, so at least they're winning, but... Even if those guys, and those guys maybe based on their MLS, maybe deserve a shot, right? Maybe. I don't think, I wouldn't take them. But I think Chirundolo is going to be a terrific coach, by I, the way. And, but and Josh, Wolf, <laughs> Josh Wolf is pro proving, at a pro but yeah. he's, he's pretty damn young. He's done really well. Yeah, I mean. But I'm, I'm not convinced by him yet. But anyway, yeah. those guys maybe deserve a chance. But you can't hire them but, now because if you do, it's going to be all tainted. Yeah. I, just, I don't think either one of those have the pedigree to be the national team coach yeah and the other thing you got to go back to in this whole thing right you know again in that search you know why wasn't a name like caleb porter there right caleb porter who has now won the mls twice burr leaves caleb porter takes over his columbus team and what does he do oh he wins the mls cup so who are you saying should be the national team coach? <laughs> I actually think Caleb Porter is not a bad choice because he's won MLS Cup with two different teams. He also was an Akron coach for years. He won national championship there. So he's kind of used to, in a weird way, this tournament one knockout you know, style format. Yeah. right? He's coached in that situation. My feeling is because he's been fired at both of the places that he lost – I mean, that he won the MLS Cup at, that maybe he wears out his welcome, but who cares? Because yeah. you got one cycle. Maybe by the time he wins the World Cup, people are frustrated with him, but, you know, <laughs> who cares? Yeah. I mean, even above, you know, Wolf and was it Chirundolo that you mentioned, yeah. like Jim Curtin? What do you think? Jim Curtin. That was the other one's going to say. Mm. Now, Jim Curtin is also a former national team player, although yeah. I don't think the way Josh Wolf and. Um, well, maybe Josh Wolf, because Chirundola was also a little bit of a peripheral national yeah. team player too. Um, but yeah, Jim Curtin, yeah. you would say for sure. At least those guys have done it consistently in MLS. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like someone like Jim Curtin has a little more uh, experience than obviously a Josh Wolf to be able to manage manage the players. But um, I think that Chirundola is going to turn out to be the best coach of them all. But it's He's only had, you know, this is only his first year. So, you know, I don't know if you want to hand him the reins to the U.S. And if I were him and they offered it to me, I'd turn it down. What do you like? I can go what do it. What do you think about going, going to an international coach that's not from the well, U.S.? Well, again, the list of, you know, coaches who were supposedly threw their name in the hat at the time, right, um, who were turned over. We talked about, God bless, Lapata. <laughs> I can't pronounce his name. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess he was the biggest name they were talking about. I, I heard um, um, the the Belgium coach, Martinez, was was one guy who threw his hat in, in yeah, the name. Peter Vermes, who was doing way better in MLS at the time. Jesse Marsh was considered, and apparently Tab Ramos, of course. <laughs> so <laughs> Tab Ramos would have been a terrible pick because he's had nothing but terrible results at the youth level. So what do you think is going to happen as we head into 2026? Is this a good pivot to go to 2026? 
I think we're going to have a new coach. How quickly do we need to announce who that is? Like, you know, obviously I think they'll come to a conclusion whether it's after the investigation or before the investigation, if they find their man or woman who takes over as the U S men's national team coach. Um, Also, one of the things I wanted to bring up, there's no world cup qualification for the U.S. men's national say team. That, Mikey Dove. How do we get... That's a big deal. So I, we, we're going to be invited, hopefully, to the Copa America as part of the, the build-up to that. That'll be one thing, but... So the, the consequence of what you just said is incredibly important because, because the U.S. is the host country, or one of the three hosts, we automatically qualify, which means that we do not have to go through qualifying. No pressure. Which means that, there, A, there's no pressure, but it means there's no opportunity for the coach to fail and lose their job, right? The chances of a coach, I mean, obviously, if he got, a coach comes in and he loses, you know, 14 right. straight games, he's going to be out. But usually, if there's going to be a moment, it's going to be in qualifying, it's under the pressure, and you don't do really well. That's not going to exist, right? So you have to believe that whoever they put in as coach is going through the World Cup at our home, you know, in the home country as host nation, no matter what happens. Yeah. That's a real problem. Yeah, it's a big problem. You got to get it right. It's also a problem for Mexico and Canada. Yes, yeah. it's a it's a problem. You know, I, I actually think that, you know, as much as it hurts, you know, to potentially not have the home team in, you know, you, it's honestly, it's a really disadvantage to the country not to have to qualify. That seems weird, but you don't get those matches where the players really learn how to play yeah. together and you get up against you know, the ropes. Yeah, and and you you see the you know the circumstances and you have to deal with stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think that's an advantage. All right. So, that's the U.S. Men's National Team Berhalter Reina saga that we've gone through. We um, didn't talk about the World Cup finale. Oh, I mean, how good was that it. final? We'll just take a quick moment. <laughs> talk about a game. Messy, 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 messy. And Mbappe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, um, you know, so Mbappe literally tried to put the team on his back and stay in there. Yeah. I mean, Messi, not, you know, he scores the penalty, which you would say, oh, okay, whatever, but um, he scores the other goal, yeah. you know, doing it all. Um, yeah, what a, what a World Cup final. It was yeah. funny, I was talking to the kids, and, my kids before the game and they're like, you know, what's your prediction for the result? And I said, four, three Argentina. And they were like, no, come on, come on. No, I said, four, three Argentina. <laughs> and and then they were like, are you kidding me? And then the game goes on and, and Argentina is up to nothing. And they're like, are you sure? Like, you know, what do you think? And that's going to be like, you know, two, nothing, two to one. I yeah. said, four, three Argentina. And they were like, what? <laughs> and sure enough, we include the penalties. It was four, three Argentina. And the reason why I said that is because, Argentina and France had played in the Russian World Cup and France won that game by a four to three score. Yeah. And I thought revenge was in the air and they're going to reverse the result. Yeah. That's all it was. Well, I had, mm-hmm. well done. Well done. <laughs> I had maybe 30, 25 people here watch, watching the game, which was just the right amount of I people. I thought you were going to say you had 30 or 35 beers. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that wasn't the case. I'm just saying it was the AM hours. And, uh, yeah, we had some folks over. 
And Argentina was obviously just sailing through that game, right? It was yep. two nothing. You're like, nothing is gonna change. Um, and as you and I know and Carmen knows, the uh, the the most dangerous score in soccer is what? Two, two zero. Two zero, right? And so as the game went on, I said, look. For the record, I've never agreed with that. I, really? Because my really? son was telling me, and I thought you told him that. I think yeah. that is. A, oh, no, I told him the opposite, that I don't think that's a. Well, it doesn't matter what it is. It's a two-goal differential that at the end. Okay, so this is what I said. This is what I said to all my guests at the house. I said, look, Argentina just need to keep it 2 nothing until the 80th minute. I said, if they, <laughs> if they concede a goal before the 80th minute, it, it, it is totally everything's back on the table because that's melee. So whether it's three, you know, uh, three to one or four to two, if another team can score in that last 10 minutes of regulation, it's like you almost it's almost written that they're going to get the second goal. Mm. You've coached enough games, Dave, where you know this is the case. You disagree. I completely disagree. I say that the people who say that are the people who are bad coaches <laughs> because any team that has well, a there's late- a lot of bad coaches out there because <laughs> the outcome, the outcomes prove <laughs> from my experience too. even playing right when yep. that happens. Yeah, the dominoes fall, dude. They just fall <laughs> every time. Even you and I played in games where that. Well, happens if you're also. Brazil and you bring on Fred as your defensive midfielder to kill off the game, and he surges into the front <laughs> corner and leaves you a counterattack with only two defenders yeah. in the back, then yeah. But that that's was, what I would say. It's that bad was, coaching. But that was a one-goal lead. The two-goal no. is, is the multiple domino effect, right? That yeah, I'm but weren't they, were they up two goals? No. Yeah, it's two-nothing. No, no, in the Brazil game, I mean. No, Before they, they gave no up it, was just, it was just one goal. Yeah, at the time there was, but they weren't up two. Of the Neymar, okay. Neymar yeah, had the, the, the tie. Had yeah, the, you're right. You're right. Crushed yeah. it, mm-hmm. and then they got complacent and yeah. let the whole thing go. But so the thing is, I don't think so. If you're a good coach and you got a two nothing lead, and it's getting, you know, somewhat later in the game. So first of all, you bring on things to to, to you know to deal with that um, in a in a proper way, maintain possession, you know, keep it compact. But even if you give up the goal, if you don't panic and that team is panicking and they're super hyped and they're whatever. And if you're a good team, you can, you shouldn't be able to, you should be able to like take advantage of that if you're the better team. I mean, if you're not, if, if you're a team that was up to nothing, and I think this is what you're talking about a lot, not only bad coaching, but a team that's up to nothing and is the weaker team that have somehow built a set two goal lead and they're hanging on for dear life, then there's danger. Yeah. But if you're the better team, Two nothing is no problem. If you give up that goal, you don't panic. You be in whatever. And often, as Tata showed in our era, you know, we'd be up two nothing. We give up a goal, make it two to one. We go score the third, right? Because yeah. they don't have anybody mm-hmm. back, and you're smart. You just yeah. take them apart. Well, sure, if you're the better team, then you're the better team. But most of the time, it's better team, better coach. <laughs> most most of the time, in like the World Cup final, even. There's not just a clearly better team. There's a reason that the two fair, best teams. Fair. Even, but I would say even an equal team, yeah. you shouldn't be afraid of a two nothing lead We're because afraid, you should be able, a good team should be able to take advantage of that situation pretty easily. But it's it's not even about the good. Play. It's about it, it, that's why soccer has always been this emotional component that games like that. I mean, it just shows World Cup final. I mean, that's exactly it. Is it became this head case, whether it's even the penalty kicks are the example of the head case. Yeah. And that final 10 minutes is the example of the head case. Doesn't matter whether you have a quality coach in some cases or if your players 
don't have the mental discipline. Were you kicking yourself like I was when they were letting I mean, the, the same guy take, you know, Mbappe take a second penalty and Messi yeah, take a second I was, penalty? Yeah, I'm I was like, what? But this is also, Dave, the guy in the Euros who said that, uh, who's the English coach, would never let them lose. Southgate. Southgate would never let them lose in a penalty shootout. He was designed well, to he, make sure. What that, I was going to say is that he had actually thought about it and he presumably had had players really who picked it. In, right. And we, he overthought it. He was overthought. an idiot. Because what, whatever you're going to do, you should have penalty kickers who are ready to take good penalties. But you don't bring them on with three minutes you know, before the penalty. Well, That's didn't idiotic. That work, didn't that work out for Argentina? With the, I that thought, one guy. Yeah, but I thought it was guy. idiotic. And it wasn't a great penalty, to be honest. Went, went in. Went but. in. That's all. That, <laughs> that's all that matters. Does it? Like you say, oh, it's not a great penalty. No, you need a great penalty though. Yeah. That yeah. last penalty from Argentina when they brought the right back up. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's who you want taking your penalty. Mm-hmm. If you don't know anything about a team, Carmen, and if you are brought on to coach, and okay. suddenly your team gets a penalty, pick okay. the right back. And You're why always is that? the best penalty kicker because those guys are not expecting to score they tend to be you know pretty you know um linear they try not to do too much right and then they have a plan you know yeah those are the best penalty kickers brandy chastain was she a right back she was she was i think she was she was interesting interesting So I feel like we've talked about a lot. I don't know if we've talked about it all, Dave. No, there's some Atlanta what, United. Yeah, we got to get uh, Elliot is asking oh. for Atlanta United. Here it comes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we're bringing it. We're bringing it. it. Don't I worry. Forgot we about won't the forget a- about yeah. you. The ATL on fire component of this <laughs> yes. podcast. Oh, so. and we do have to mention Elliot mentioned yep. Tiago Almada, first active MLS player to win a World Cup. Absolutely, Tiago. Yes, he didn't yeah. play. So does that really count? <laughs> he did play though. He got no, tw- but not in the final. Not in the final. Not in the final. But he got like almost. 20 minutes and he it was, played well i think it was 19 and he played very well <laughs> i'll take yeah. those 19 he ter- minutes he was terrific for those 19 yeah. minutes yes um yeah i mean the the the, the obvious trust that it, the argentinian coach had to just even give him minutes yeah. in a meaningful game is something else well this actually makes me circle back to one thing that we didn't talk about in the burhalter situation so that critical conversation where he had with gio reina that he said either you're not going to figure that much in this tournament or you're not going to be a starter and those are big differences yeah right the question is why did he have that conversation right i mean obviously you want to set the expectations and doing things or whatever but you know, both of them, whether he said that you're not going to play that much, or you're not going to start, right? Both of them, both Gio Reyna and Burhalter claim in that conversation that it was imbued with a negative connotivity, right? And there's absolutely no need to do that. So if you brought on a player, even if you brought on a player like Thiago Mata, who's you're literally only going to bring on for experience, yeah. right? You say to him, look... You know, you may be here for experience, but you never know. And you be ready. And if you get your moment, you seize it. So if you're with Gio Reyna and you're like, I've decided that, look, I have better options. I think Brendan Aronson's fine. I think Tim Way is fine. I'm going to get Polisic's fine. It's too much crowded. I'm not going to play him or whatever. The message to Gio Reyna should have been, look, you're going to get some moment in this tournament. We're going to need you. Right, and your job is to go out there and play really well, and make me never take you off the field again. Yeah, and that's a positive spin on it. Yeah, and both of them, you know, 
both of them said that the message was you're not going to play a lot or you're not going to start. And even if you're not going to start them, right? You know, if you're going to Gio Reyna and having that tough conversation where he thinks he's a starter yeah. and you're like, look, you're not going to start. You say, look, Gio, you're not going to start this first match. We've got a lot of players who are in that mix. You've just been coming back from an injury or whatever, but be ready. Your time is going to come. We're yeah. going to bring you off the bench. We're going to need and you. I don't understand why Greg, Greg Berhalter just couldn't have said that outright to the press. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly what you're saying. Yes. Because if we'd all understand, be like, and just say that, look, like, son, you're like one of the up and coming kids. Like, I'm worried about you, you being in full stride because of your injuries. These other players have earned the right to start. I'm going to let them run their, but I tell you what, if that could switch like that, and That's you might be the difference and, maker. And Burhalter is not an idiot. He's not an inexperienced coach. And you know why I think that happened? Because of his relationship oh. with his father, Claudio Reyna. Yeah. He knew that the moment he wasn't going to start, that Claudio Reyna was going to be disappointed. And he was trying to have that conversation ahead of time to get temper expectations and get ahead of it. And that is why you don't hire a coach who has intimate relationships with all those national team players. And that's all I've got to say. Back to Atlanta United, Dave. Okay. There's a lot of, lot of news. It's, I mean, some is uh, kind of expected, right? We've got some players that have exited, right? Do you have any off the top of your mind you want to mention? that you Heinemann. Know? Emerson Heinemann. That Go was on. the news today Emerson's. that they've uh, released him or allowed yep. him. So, um, the Mexican goalkeeper, gone. Yeah, Mexican goalkeeper gone. Yep, and... Uh, Emerson Hyman gone in officially is Etienne. What do you think of Etienne? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I know he's from Columbus crew, right? Yeah. He played for Columbus crew. He's all accounts from Bahamas. I yeah. think sounds uh, like he's going to be a solid addition from all accounts. He's had the- a couple of years where he's been at a really force in the midfield and scored some goals and a couple of years where he's looked kind of dynamic, but hasn't really produced the goods. W- where exactly in the midfield does he sit? He's sort. He's not a out and out attacking midfielder. He's not a defensive midfielder. He's sort of an Emerson Hyman like player. Okay. So he, um, he'd, he'd be complement to Almada then. Yes. Okay. I would think that he'd be sitting behind a Almada bit, bit behind. and in front of Sosa. Sosa. Okay. So it kind of a Nabara who's that two type of role. Yeah. So I would think that Etienne is going to be brought in to basically replace either Heinemann or Josetu or Ibarra in okay. that box to box role. Is there any news about Abara or Josetu leaving? I can't. Not remember. yet. I thought, I thought maybe there was on one of those. Okay. The two guys who are supposedly one foot out the door: or Franco and Moreno. Franco and Moreno. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think there's, about that? Well, you know how I feel about. I actually I don't like. I I like both of those players. They better do better. Is all I know. Because I I think that it's possible to do better, but not until I see it. I'm not going to cry over Franco. I think that yeah, he, um, he had plenty of mistakes. That, yeah, he's kind of mistake prone, and and he's he's so up and down. And you can yeah. say that's because of the coaches and the system, but he's still up and down. Mm-hmm. The thing that really worries me though about that is you've let Campbell go, you've let you're about to let Franco go. Yeah, Campbell's right? the other one. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so you're left with Parata. 
who was impressive, but only for what, like 10 games, yeah. right? 12 games, whatever more it was. On, more on headers on the offensive yeah. side. He was right. good defensively yeah. too, but okay. we didn't see enough of him to really know. And Miles Robinson, who's coming off the Achilles. Yeah. And so what? So presumably, you've got to believe that a quality center back is coming. If not, you got to scratch your head. There has to be a quality center back coming. You would think. If you got rid of Franco and and Campbell, Campbell. you would you think. have to. I would think. Um, yeah. So we got 900K in GAM. Yes. If, if Bring guys, it, Mikey Dobbs. Yeah, Monopoly GAM. Was it Tam or Gen- GAM? Or general sure? allocation <laughs> money for um, our friend George, right? We also got... So he went to Montreal... Yes. Okay. We also got GAM for we traded away our number one draft pick in the MLS, our first round draft pick, which was like the sixth pick overall because we were terrible in 10th place. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we traded that away for GAM too. So we're stockpiling yeah. GAM, Mikey Dobbs. Love me some GAM, man. <laughs> <laughs> so presumably, yeah. Atlanta United is not the kind of team to stockpile GAM in general. They're clearly stockpiling yeah. it for some signing. So. Who's our goalkeeper going to be? Because it clearly all accounts look like the Braguzan comeback is. I just watched some video on the Atlanta United FC channel that his road to recovery. Like, I look. I hope he has a great comeback here. But we need another goalkeeper for the future of this club. Who the hell is that? You know, <laughs> didn't we get some random? Because they let Goudinho, yes, they did. let Goudinho go. Did we let um, Rios officially go? Yes, Rios is gone. Um, Goudinho is gone as well. Yeah, and just the name of the goalkeeper we signed, an MLS veteran goalkeeper, is and maybe even the other guy that did his Achilles. Me. What's his yeah. name? I wasn't that all impressed by whoever you're about yeah. to name there, cats. Uh, and there's no news, Dave, on Joseph Martinez at this point, which I still believe. They're looking to Quentin de- Westberg. Quentin that's Westberg. It is. Oh, okay, that's right. That's the new. I don't goal. know why I couldn't remember his name, but he came from Toronto. He's thirty-six years old. He's an MLS veteran. He's been around a while. I think he's not great, um, but he's serviceable. So what I would say, that's to me screams, and you're not going to like this, Mikey Dobbs, uh-uh. is that's the guy whose job it is to play Back the up. first ten games until Guzan is the starter. You think that's the case? That's, I think, their plan. Really? That's what it seems to me. I do not think we're going to acquire another goalkeeper. Because if you're going to acquire another goalkeeper, I mean, maybe then you're saying he's the third, maybe. But that's a a high bar for a third goalkeeper, an MLS starter. The guy that you need to be the most confident guy in the back of the field. Leading your team. Leading your team to win MLS Cup. We don't have him. We're going to wait 10 games before the Goose comes in, who, by all accounts... Andre Blake. I want Goose... Isn't he a free agent, Andre I want, Blake? I, want Goose, I think he was. I, I want Goose to go out agent. on a... So if we're stockpiling Tam again for goalkeeper, Andre Blake. Hey, let's I mean, that it. would be a game changer. Oh, that would be fantastic. I think, I think he's a free agent. Can okay. you look that up? But hold on. Let's all of a sudden... So uh, we need a goalkeeper, right, to save yep. the ball in the back. Who's going to score our goals? Who's our goal scorer, Dave? Joseph Martinez? Is it a trick question? Oh, <laughs> I don't think it was Andre Big. I think it was Sean Johnson. So you, oh, Sean Johnson. I'll take him too. I'll yeah, take we'll him take too. Him. Hell yeah. yeah. He'll but do you really think that Joseph's still going to be here next year? Yes. Really? Oh, 
I need a button for that. I don't know what to press. Hit that blue one. Which one? Oh, not that one. Somebody's oh, yeah. Hit them all. Hit them all. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody should put a straight jacket on this guy. That one. That one right there. That's right. You are crazy because I don't see Joseph come back, but I hope I'm wrong too. I, and the reason why I think he's coming back is because I don't think they have the suitors. I think they're going to be forced. Their hand is going to be forced because they don't want to give him away, you know, release him. They don't want to degrade him by selling him. You know, somebody's going to offer like a third round pick and, you know, some terrible player. And they're not going to do that because they don't need that money and they don't want to degrade him. And so, but they'd also don't want to let him go for free. Yeah. So they're, they would have to release him, and maybe they will. I mean, one of the things about Atlanta United is they have shown, to my chagrin, uh, that they are willing to wait very, very long, you know, basically until the season has already started, the transfer window is already open, to make the final decisions and let the players go. They've shown that over and over. So if they're going to release him, I'm going to guess you don't see him released until, like, literally first game of the season. Because I don't think they have the suitors that they want for him. I think people are too wary of the injury. Mm. That's why I think. I think it'll be forced to it. I think they want to get rid of him. I'm not wary of the injury anymore. I'm not either. I thought he was looking like he was back to me. I mean, he looked like he was, you know, a little overweight initially or a little bit out of shape. I shouldn't say overweight, just out of shape. And and, um, he was... Then he got a little bit tired coming back because he had been rehabbing an injury, whatever. Yeah. He rested a little when he was benched, but the moment he came back from being benched and he was rested, he looked like he was back. I agree. He looked dynamic. And the only thing they weren't doing is he wasn't getting, you know, tremendous service. But how many times, as we talked about, did he come off the bench and score? Yeah. And so, you know, Pineda <laughs> doesn't like him, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I think Pineda is grown up enough to, he's never bad-mouthed him. So, yeah. And one thing about Pineda, you know, if we're going to go to the Burhalter, yeah. you know, thing, Pineda has been good about not bad-mouthing players. He's yeah. been kept it all. So, time. outside of Joseph at this point, we have Josh Wolf. He's coming back from. Tyler Wolf. Josh Wolf, if he's coming back, is too old. A lot of wolves. A lot (laughs) lot of wolves. Tyler Wolf coming back from a Belgian B side. Yep. Um, Where he didn't play basically at all. Yeah, he didn't play at all. He had like five appearances. Went on loan and did nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's not not a good sign. Not promising. And I actually, I think, you know, I I do go with the DNA part of things. Sometimes like a George Weah and Tim Weah. There's something to, like, I still think he's got it, man. I think he's going to be able to do something. I don't know. How but, many times has the son really been as good as the father? Well, I mean, Har- we saw in the How French about the Harrison uh, kid from Ohio State who's catching balls against Georgia and making wow. it happen? Yeah. It Ooh. does matter, dude. DNA um, does matter. Trust oh, me. Oh, yeah, for sure. It helps. But mostly when the superstar players, their kid is good, but not yeah. that good. I mean, we saw in the World Cup, you know, Lillian Taram's son was playing, and he's good but he's not right well i mean the fact that you can (laughs) the fact that you can mention a lot means that it does matter it happens a lot that they they play and they make you know whatever but is you know it's not a coincidence your kids are both good soccer players Hmm? correct correct i was a mediocre soccer player (laughs) (laughs) sometimes when the the, that's true the best players come from like like here's a perfect example Alf Holland, 
decent player. Erling Holland, a freaking baller. Yeah. And yep. well, I think that happens a lot. I think it. that's what you and I are agreeing yeah. on. Maybe some okay. of the maybe some of the best coaches even yeah. are decent soccer players, but they weren't stars yeah. or mm-hmm. even well right. known. That's true. They weren't well known. They they right. were just they were like like under the radar. No one never knew their name as a real players soccer player. who had to think about it to do well. The players who it came naturally yeah. to tend to not have a clue about how to mm, do it, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, this is true of all sports. Yeah. Which is probably why our friend Greg Garza is mentoring I mean, kids Michael Jordan was the worst cerebral. basketball coach you'd yeah. ever seen, and he, he was a pretty good player. Yeah. <laughs> Again, he's I. Right. Um, so uh, then we've got Jackson Conway that's up front that's still available. He's I, on the twos. Do you believe that he's going to come around? No, Mm-mm. I don't think so either. No. <laughs> a lot of people like, are saying, saying it's I, promising. I but. believe Josh. I believe in Josh Wolf more than Jackson Conway from what I've at least eyeballed on the field. Jackson Conway, unfortunately, I'm just saying he's blown his chances that I saw. Like at least Josh Wolf looked like he knew what he was doing out there. Conway, you know, honestly, he looks like a guy. You know, again. He's smart and he moves a lot and whatever. And a, t- a ten minute guy at the end of the half, he could be like yeah. a smarter version of Dom Dwyer, um, and that would be great. But yeah, if you're can't. counting on him to be an actual striker, I'll right. say the same thing I said about Dom Dwyer. Do I think Jackson Conway can come off the bench and score a goal? Yes. Yeah. Do I think that Jackson Never Conway is going to be a starter for eighty minutes and lead the line? No. But Josh Wolf or Tyler Wolf, I'm sorry, yet again. <laughs> I, I I don't know. It has to happen like this year. If it happens, he's got to show that he's got to show that quality. If it I doesn't, I think ha- he's a real out and out striker anyway. He's more of a, a, a forward. He's a yeah. He's a, outside forward. He's a you know um, a Tim Weah kind of guy yeah. in between running and creating more than he is yeah, a goal scorer. I would agree with that. Um, yeah, so we, I would say we have to sign a striker. We have to. Cisneros is gone, by the way. But how can we That's sign right. a striker if we keep Joseph? You can't. He's our designated player. Because he costs but $5 million dollars a year. Gone. $5 million a year. Moreno He's the guy who's got his – you got to say, Joseph, go out there and score us the 30 goals. Or, but, but sorry, Mar- 20. You can sorry, buy 15, another good striker for this team because you've sold Moreno. I'd rather have a good goalkeeper or a defensive center mid. If you got Joseph, we've already got the best defensive center in the league. Sosa, he's amazing. No, it's a different center back. Oh, center back. Yeah, um, need one of those. Someone next to Miles. To be honest, you just need a placeholder until Miles is a hundred percent. Because oh. Miles is the best center back in the league, and Parada is serviceable. Oh, are we getting rid of, rid of uh, Ronald Hernandez, or is he still in the squad? Still in the squad. All right, I love it. <laughs> For all you haters out there, unfortunately, I'm still a fan of him. I still Lennon, like him. they signed to a long term extension. Oh, I don't that's right. That. I forgot about that. I, I just don't get it because you know he can serve a great ball, but he's not dynamic. He's not Araujo going forward. He's not Ronaldo defending. <laughs> <laughs> that guy just makes. Can me, you zoom in on that? I just, wish I could. He just wants to make. For those of you didn't catch that, who are not on the YouTube channel, Mikey Yan just. Mikey yawn. Mikey does <laughs> just yawn. <laughs> he is like, he's just. Yeah, yeah that's what I, I agree with you. He's just boring. Boring. He, he's not the answer. No. Whereas Gutman is. Gutman is yeah. the answer. That guy oh, yeah, can I ball. About him. Yes. I mean, that guy can really ball. And we got the mascara kid who's. Looked, that's right. Looked a little dynamic. He just looks this. fast as hell yeah. and terrible. Yes. So there we go. And Mikey Dobbs, we have Sadich. Oh. <laughs> 
Thank God for him. <laughs> Your favorite. Oh. Tell me he's gone. No, he's not. No, because I, Pineda I, loves no. him. He's seeing him as the starter. He sees him as the starter. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Look, and look, so. folks, if I am proven wrong, if I am proven wrong that Amar said it, I, I will eat, like, I don't know, send some comments in this tweet. Elliot, somebody, tell me what I need to do. If Amar said it blows up this year. I can't even and call I need you to, on that one. I'd love to, but I can't well, call you on it because it's just madness. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, tell me what, I, what shoe leather I need to eat. He's heating up. If... Amar said it is on fire in 2023. Forget about it. Uh, yeah, As so. Cats pours more wine. Gonna pour some wine. This wine's, <laughs> this wine's terrible, by the way. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Well, the one thing I will say, you know, if you're going to have addition by subtraction, Right, you know, if you lose Moreno and you're now, if you're committed to Tiago Amara and Araujo on the outside, you know, or, or the the attackers, you know, behind the striker, that that's that's a great start. So this is a great start. Um, you gotta believe Etienne's gonna beat out Sadich. No, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just it. Then 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 hey, if he if he wins the position, then maybe I'll... that was to to get Sadich to the bench. Okay. I mean, certainly that again. That's the same role we have had: mediocre, mediocre, mediocre in that position. I mean, to visit, I think Josetu has been okay. I think Abara has some promise, but um, Sadish has been woeful there. But yeah. Etienne has clearly been signed. He's been an MLS starter for you know years. He's even been an MLS All Star, I believe. So you know he's clearly coming to start. Yeah. Right. So you got to believe he's the in between between Sosa and um, Almada. That's all set. Right. Yep. Um, the question is, who is the other striker? You need a striker for sure. I, I would think that we need a center back. And uh, I think Ronald Hernandez could be the answer right back, but he'll never do it. He's gonna. That's the problem. You know, it's not not the squad; it's the coach, right? Because if you start with Lennon and you start with Sadich, and you know Tyler. Tyler Wolf, who was the starter on opening day last year, people forget that. Um, but it sounds like, from what you're saying, it sounds like we'll have Almada, Ero Ujo, and Joseph Martinez as the stars, kind of as our attacking players, right? Yeah, and this I think new so. and this new Etienne guy, right? Yep. So that's our dynamic duo. It's a good team with Sosa. Mm. I mean, it's not a deep team. There's yeah. not much, you know, in terms of depth, but. Um, you know, if Miles is, comes back and is 100%, him and Parata, and you would have Gutman at left back, all oh, that's great. Um, yeah, but again, like this season, this last season, who's the layer behind it? Because shit happens. It's going to happen. Well, There's not only that, here's the problem with it. You haven't... You ha Where's the fix, right? So I would have said last season that we had a good enough team to be a top three team in our league, to be an MLS Cup contender, at least. I think we could have even been better than that. But we were not. We're a 10th place team, right, under Pineda. So if something is going to change, something got to change. You know, if he, people said that, you know, we didn't have the squad, they weren't good enough. A lot of people have said that. Injuries, injuries, injuries. So... 
you know, you can't tell me that that the magical change for Pineda to get it right is Etienne. Like that can't be it. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. I don't think we're finished by any means, yeah. but but again, I but where where are they placing? That's what I'm saying. Where are they placing their bet right now? Is it going to be the goalkeeper? Is it going to be a defensive center center back? Is it going to be? Where? I don't know. In our history of signing really really good players, it doesn't fit with who you need, right? Because it's all offensive. We, well, not only all offensive, but it's super young. We've bought you yeah. know young talented players. Mm-hmm. If you go out and buy, let's say you even buy, you know, the next Thiago Amato or something, right? That doesn't work for this team, right? Because they're not really going to be ready to, to come in and dominate from moment one. Even Tiago Mato, as good as he was last year, I think, you know, a year in is going to be a much, much better player. So I don't think that's the answer. If, if you want to win, I think to me the answer has got to be someone who's a little more veteran. Now, Etienne fits that. He's 26. He's yeah. certainly in his prime, but he's also an MLS veteran. Yeah. Alonzo is supposedly coming back too. If you're counting on Jacques, I mean, people talk about this is that's the, I think to me this is the biggest joke of the excuse for Pineda. People talking about Alonzo and saying, "Look, he lost this major piece, Alonzo. Alonzo wasn't even on the team the year before. Yeah, he was supposed if, to retire, and he's this like year. 36 or whatever he is. If you are expecting him to be the major piece, in all honesty, God, like to me, when we signed him, we talked about him as an awesome piece that can spell Sosa from yeah. time to time. He ended up being like a coming out of nowhere, being a jewel that was unexpected. Yeah, and people were like, was, he was so amazing for the first three games, and he was very he was. good. But you, he was never going to do that for a season. No. At that no. age, he had about another good game in him, and he was just going to be mediocre. <laughs> exactly. And the now rest he's coming year. off an ACL. Yeah, yeah. forget yeah. it. Forget no. it. Forget it. I mean, there's no chance that he's going to be a major. For all you haters, you know who's right? I am. <laughs> <laughs> And if you're going to critique, you know, and we, we we're the first to admit that, you know, Joseph has not been back where he was originally. But if you're going to critique him, you've got to critique Alonzo, right? Yeah. I mean, because yeah. he doesn't have nearly the upside of Joseph and he's coming off the same ACL injury. I mean, forget it. And honestly, there's a real worry about Miles. You know, you could mm. see Miles not being really full strength until three quarters of the way through the season. So, Dave, let's pivot to the U.S. Soccer's Coaches Convention in Philadelphia. We're okay. traveling up there on Wednesday night, the three of us. So excited about this. And we'll be just still discussing all the Atlanta United latest moves, right? Because that's will. all going to be clearly it's, it's all happening. It's going to be, yeah. I mean, there's going to be some big things happening. There's going to be, it's going to be mayhem. The more that uh, the date approaches, the more excited I am because we're, we're, we've been already communicating with some other podcasters that are going to be on podcast ro- row. So there's 30 podcasts at this convention, folks, that is like the biggest soccer convention in the U.S. Um, Dave, Carmen, and I will be able to just rub shoulders with some people and, um, you know, just soak it all in, really, is what... Yeah, um, hopefully um, bring you all some insight into the beautiful game. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, uh, yeah, people involved in college soccer, youth soccer, MLS... USL, you name it. Yep. Every league. Yep. It's going to be great. Cannot wait. We've got some tchotchkes. We've got some giveaways. I'm trying to put together some ATL on fire trivia. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull it off on time. (laughs) For the convention, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, people have to earn the the tchotchkes, right? I like it. I mean, those are some nice bottle openers. They got to know when... uh, 
Uh, offsides this was called. This is not sick. just any bottle yeah. opener. This is impressive. Yeah, look oh, at that. Oh, oh, the camera's see. not going to do it justice. Hold on. But oh no, you know what'll do it no. justice? Look Let's, at that. Let me see that. Let it's see it's that. the logo right there. Yeah, the logo too. Let's see. Oh yeah, look at that. Close? Yeah, you're there. Yeah. Look at that. Uh, I like it. The new <laughs> logo. I sweated that thing, man. It's, you know. It's awesome. Nicely done. Well, everyone, I just want to you're say. You're a genius. If you are not subscribed, please subscribe to the channel. This is why we do it, so we get more listeners. Yeah, I have to say, before we leave, as a soccer podcast, we have got to say something about Peggy Lang. Hey, oh, like, thank you so much. Thank we, you we for reminding us. Yes, thank you, Carmen. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. you're absolutely right. I mean. That's a good way to go out because, yeah. look, as a kid. That's a hard one. It's a hard one because, mm -hmm. like, as a kid, like, he was the first soccer icon that I ever looked to. It was like, who's that guy? He was in all the cheesy 80s soccer movies, Hot Shot, you name it. Um, but he was also just the guy that, you know, even in, in the U.S. Soccer Coaches Convention, you can see him walk in the hallways. So he's obviously got history. Mm -hmm. Even at the, the convention we're going to, he was just so involved with U.S. Soccer. He, you know, basically had some financial issues even after his big days in Brazil. Came to the U.S. for the Cosmos. Um, you know, God bless the guy when he came to the Cosmos. New York City doesn't have any place for fields, right? Yeah. So they had a field out on Randall's Island. And... It wasn't even a field. It was like dirt. And so for the first ever broadcast with Pele, apparently they went out the night before and they literally painted the dirt green. <laughs> and on the on the on the old video, you couldn't even tell. It looked like a beautiful pitch. <laughs> <laughs> and poor guy was playing on whatever. Now, you know, I think he grew up yeah. playing in the streets of Brazil. So, you know, it's probably right at home. But um you know, for a guy like that, he is a magical player. He's a different era, so you can't compare him to, to a Messi yeah. or whatever. But um, God bless, what a great player! Yeah, I went back and watched some of the highlights after the news broke, and it does just show like how epic and important he is to the game of soccer. So, Pelé. And if you ever want to see Pelé at his best. Go back and watch the movie Victory. Yes. With Sylvester Stallone That's and Michael Caine and Pele. And he yeah. says, here's our tactics. We're going to do this, this, and this. And Pele says, no, coach. You we give go me like, ball. give me ball. I go like this, 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 go. <laughs> and that's how he did it. That is how he did it when he was 17. So here's the point. Thanks for listening, everybody. 